Welcome back to all the viewers of The Full Life out there. We are so happy you're joining us again. And to all the new viewers out there, we want to talk especially to you for a minute because we want to tell you that this is the show for you. We know there's a lot going on in the world. Coronavirus is surging in many states across the country again. So many people are still in isolation and have been there for months. We know the protests are going on out there to try and combat racial injustices. Anything that you're going through, any frustration, any hurt you're feeling, this is the place where you can feel the love of Christ and you can feel people coming together from all different walks of Christianity to come together united as the body of Christ and to build each other up. So with that said, let's start. We need some man of moments today, guys, because we need some good stuff to keep our eyes focused on. There's a lot going on in the world, so we want to uplift some people today. So welcome back, our panel, Hank. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here. And Jenny. Glad to be back. And Carolyn. So good to see everybody. All right. Well, we have a special guest here today. Jenny, tell us who it is. Well, I am very, very privileged to uh, introduce our special guest for the program today. He is a husband, a good husband, a wonderful father. He is uh, a, a world changer, and I know that. He is a co the co-pastor of and the founder of Revive Church Auburn, which is in the Seattle area. He is a spiritual son to me and my husband. He is someone that will keep you laughing, but will stir your spirits um, for the things of the Lord. He is one of the most passionate, on-fire God. God-loving, God-fearing people that I know, but he is also very real. We have Pastor Josh Headley joining us today. Hey, come on. Come on. Ooh, and the crowd went wild. <laughs> <laughs> I like to tell people we're having a good time because sometimes you ask them and you never hear. So I just like to let people know we are having a good time. We're having a good time. <laughs> we are. It's a very Tim Story moment. <laughs> we're having a good time now. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Well, Josh, one of the segments we've been doing on the show, we call Mana Moments. And those are those moments that are, you know, moments of grace, moments that we know God showed up this week, things to be thankful for and focus on, because especially in these times where there's a lot of trials going on and a lot distracting our minds, we're trying to stay focused on some of those blessings and graces that God gives us. That being said, who's got a moment? Josh, maybe I'll start with you today since you're our guest today. Well, I want to start with with something small. I believe with when we're blessed, we need to recognize the the small things. And so I'm the type of guy that gets excited when I get the first parking spot at Costco. Um, but today, man, I went through Starbucks and blessed the the young lady at the front. She missed the drink just by a little bit and said, oh, well, we'll make you another one and give you a free one. So I'm just saying I'm lighting it up. My morning started with two Starbuckses. The Bible says <laughs> two is greater than one. So I'm going with two Starbucks. Is that like two are gathered in his name, like two Starbucks and Jesus is there? You know? Two lattes in his name, we're there if in the If you ask middle. someone from Seattle, the answer is definitely yes. <laughs> Some people are obsessed with coffee. <laughs> you know, if you look at the original Greek, Jesus' name is coffee. I, I did see that. We're not going to go there. <laughs> Carolyn. Well, you know, I had just a incredible uh, week um, for the past year, and I asked my son before I did this because I would never want to cross a line, but um, I've got a really incredible son who's extremely bright, but he has fought and overcome so much. 
um, when he was younger, um, got told lots of things like he would never be able to do certain things and all this stuff. I want to keep this very light. Um, but we never told him. And we just thought, no, we're not going to allow the world to put any labels on you. You are victorious. You are God's child and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And whatever God calls you to do, he's going to give you the grace to do it. I don't need labels on you to do this. And so um, in this process, we're coming down to the ACT test. And uh, we were trying to get his 504 to be put into the ACT so he could take his test with the extra time that he needs. And three times we've went in to take this test and they have denied us the extra time. And uh, man, I've left there so heavy in my heart going, God, what do I need to do? I mean, I've called to speak with people. You know how a mama, we begin to fight. You know, I got on the phone with her and she said, you know what? She says, I don't even know if they're going to take the ACT. And at this point, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, God, well, God's in control. I'm just telling the woman on the phone, you know, I just have to trust God. She said, you were the first person that has not yelled at me or cussed me out this week when I told him that. And I'm like, well, honey, I, it's not your fault. So she goes, well, you've only got 12 hours, she said, but if you'll have him write a letter, she said, um, I'll see what I can do. And so I just went to prayer. I, I know many of us, I mean, it seems like God can sometimes be that 11th hour God. You all know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, God, I'm down to where I've done all that I can do. And it's that but God moment. And I got a email from her and I could still choke up last minute. And she just said, I want you to know I've approved him for this time. And I'm telling you all something. I just keep saying later, but not late. You know, we mm. might think that God is like, are you hearing me? You're so silent. What are you doing? We're down to the last minute. And God say, no, I'm going to show you that it's nothing about you, that it's all about me. And so that's my man a moment for this week, man. I am rejoicing all the way. I mean, this is a thing. I'm telling you, it is a miracle of God. It really is. So I all love right. that. He is moving a lot in this week. Jenny. Yeah, I, I just love that, of course, being a mama and a mama of a senior. Carolyn, I'm right there with you. And, um, you know, my son Gabriel had, had a little bit of a rough time with his high school career. We moved to Israel um, when uh, he was in right before junior high. And so, you know, getting them back assimilated, you know, back into school and the schedules and all that, we, we chose a charter school so we could still travel a lot. And um, unfortunately, when he was a uh, freshman and a sophomore. He was sort of a guinea pig in the school. They were the first years. And man, he struggled. And this kid has had to make up classes for things that teachers messed up. Uh, times where they forgot to grade things like stuff that I helped him turn in, you know, that they said, you know, wasn't done. And so we've really battled um, with this kid. And this, my son wants to go to uh, work for NASA. That's his dream. And so, you know, that GPA has got to be good. And, you know, getting into, you know, good college is all, all that's important. So I'm just really proud to say, just to make it a long story short, he's doing really well. He just finished last night, his very last course of his high school career. Um, and he finished two weeks early and he has straight A's. So, uh, so that was just a, that was for us as a mom and dad, you know, so proud, done early, straight A's. And it looks like he's going to be able to go to the college of his choice. Wow. Um, one of the colleges of his choices that he's looking at. So very that big That is a good feeling. Come on. Well, speaking of graduation, we do want to acknowledge, even though they didn't get to physically walk across the stage, on the show, Carolyn and Jenny are proud mamas of two graduates. So we say congratulations to Preston, 
and to yes. Gabriel. Yay! With that said, Josh is here for another reason. Ooh, <laughs> We have been celebrating people and organizations and churches that are becoming the Church of Action. And he is doing just that in the Seattle area. Jenny, take it away. This Revive Cares, you've made some interesting decisions. First of all, regarding the summer. I love that you talked, uh, we talked yesterday about some of your choices regarding the summer, what you're going to do and how you're going to put your focus um, on people and not a place. And that really ties in with Revive Cares. Will you tell us more about Revive Cares? What started that? What started the journey? Because so many pastors start thinking about the building and building their church, but you really have put into building the community. Talk to us about that. As a church, when, when quarantine hit, Washington State was actually the number one city or the number one state at the time to get hit with the virus. And so our governor, you know, along with the health officials and leaders of our community, Put some really tight, um, you know, stringent, you know, guidelines for us as a community. And so a week before they even implemented it, we decided we were no longer gonna gonna be in a building. We were a mobile church, and we just said, you know what? Let's get a jump start on this, and let's start focusing on what we need to do. And as a church, about four or five weeks into quarantine season, we started realizing, yes, things are gonna open up. Obviously, it's gonna be in phases. But it's going to be a long time before, as a church, we can meet at full capacity. And so rather than kind of just living for this dream of like almost like the Israelites did, where we dream of leeks and onions of Egypt and, you know, we dream of gathering together live. We're like, let's let's stop focusing on the past because this quarantine kind of makes you think that way. It makes you keep looking at what things were rather than what it could be. And so we made the decision that regardless of how they open up, uh, you know, our, our, our ability to worship and our ability to gather, we were going to suspend services through the summer, but instead on Sundays gather at a different place, different location and serve our community in different ways. And so we, we developed a program called Revive Cares, and it's all about mobilizing our people to be the church on a Sunday. And so we do it the same time frame as what a church service would be. So we meet 10, 1030 um, at a different location and we serve at the food bank. We serve at the hospitals, at the fire departments, wherever it may be. But it's all about getting ourselves out there to care for our community because nobody really cares what you have to say until they actually know how you care. Tell us about some of the uh, diversity and projects you guys have done, because it's been quite a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I believe God is a creative God. And I think one thing with churches is, um, I, I said this on our podcast with Jenny, but I, I've been taught that when the horse is dead, dismount. And so I believe you shouldn't stick on an idea for too long. And so we've been really trying to keep the idea spiced. So this weekend, we're, we're contacting uh, food and restaurant businesses to give them business. But we're doing it through DoorDash. And so when they come to our door, we're blessing every DoorDash worker that comes to our door all Sunday. And we're going to be giving them a $50 get, uh, cash and then blessing them. And we're going to do this to as many DoorDash people as we possibly can because they're essential. And we've been joking that they're the forgotten essential workers. Everyone wants to do fire departments and that because they're special. But we're like, no, let's bless the forgotten essential workers because we know we've all been DoorDashing food. And those guys have been coming to people's doors where there maybe has been the virus or whatnot. So we want to bless them. But we have adopted um, an entire um, neonatal unit where there's, you know, moms that were there and we celebrated there for Mother's Day. Um, we've adopted fire departments. We had five fire departments we just adopted last week. Um, we adopt our food bank. We just, we try to get out there and do as much as we can for each category 
um, that is represented in our community. I love it because, you know, the whole saying is we are the church. That's just the building we meet in, but we are the church, you know, and it feels like you're just being the hands and feet of Christ, which I just love. I also heard that uh, you did something really special for the mamas. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So uh, two and a half years ago, um, my wife gave birth to our first son, little Aldrich Headley. We call him Ollie. Um, He's a champion. He's a crazy, crazy boy. Um, he's becoming world famous with his uh, Ollie and the Grilled Cheese video that we do. Um, we get jokes that people want to watch that more than our sermons. So I don't know how that happened. But uh, he's a special boy, but he was born at 27 weeks, five days. And he was one pound, four ounces and just a miracle baby. And we were we were put in a, a NICU unit for him to develop and to grow. And we were we were sitting there just asking God, hey, what should we do, man, for Mother's Day? Obviously, we have the own our own mothers here in our community, but how do we bless both? And so we we created a, a two phase idea. We said, well, we can we can spend money on our own moms, or we can bless these moms who are having to stay in the hospital with their maybe their first child in a very intense situation. And one of uh, one of our co founders, Pastor Mars, was like, let's go bless the NICU. And so we adopted every single mom, over 50 moms in the NICU. We gave them cash so they could find buy a nice meal for their family and gave them a card that was handwritten, hand signed and addressed to them, just encouraging them and giving them encouragement. And then on the other end, we got our entire team together on Mother's Day to visit every single mom in our church and did a flash mob at their location and gifted them. So it was it was a fun, power packed Mother's Day. You're getting into fire departments, Nick use. Just talk to us a little bit about how you're forming these partnerships and maintaining them for these ideas. I wanted to be in favor with people of influence. I believe that we see that model with Joseph and we see it with so many people in the Bible. Um, even Jesus, he really didn't care about what the religious leaders uh, thought of him, but he sat with centurions and governmental officials. He's, you know, We see him with so many different people teaching and preaching to them. And so we kind of came with that model that we were going to pursue and love the city officials and the leaders of our community, that we wanted to be at the table with the mayor. We wanted to be at the table with our principals and with our um, superintendents and with our fire departments and with our police. And, you know, so when we first came to Auburn, I did 300 meetings um, in about a, a hundred day period. And we were doing three a day and it was with every leader in the community. Wow. And we'd sit and I'd buy breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I ate out and got really fat. It was really hard on my health, but I met a lot of cool people. Um, but what, what was so interesting and what transpired is not everybody we became friends with, but there was a core group of about 40 or 50 people in the community that we created relationship with, we became friends with. And to say that the opportunities we have today to reach out, mm-hmm. to minister, and to be involved in people's lives is not connected to that 100-day period would be an understatement. That is how it has come about. And so now there's open door, there's relationship. And I think so many times we as churches and organizations try to bypass the relationship and just get to the opportunity and people can see through self-promotion. And so it was so interesting as we came and just kind of just say, we're here to help. How can we help it? We started with the mayor. I remember meeting her and I walked up to her and I said, you know, Mayor, Mayor Backus, it's so good to meet you. My name is Josh. I'm a pastor of Arrive. How can our church serve you? Can you give me three projects that have been on your table? What can we do? 
And slowly but surely, we've been developing relationship. We're now monthly. We host what's called a faith leader meeting. We gather all 55 faith leaders from every religion. We're not just Christian pastors, every religion. And we sit at a table with our mayor and discuss the needs that we can do to help the community. And this is how we've been doing it. This is how we've been going about it. The response has been amazing. And I think it's due to the fact that we came with relationship, not with a message, not with a sermon, not with an agenda, not with self-promotion, but truly saying, we want to be a friend and we want to be a neighbor. How can we do that? That's awesome. I want to ask you um, about what's ahead. You and I had a great conversation yesterday, which just so excited me because as we talked about, you know, you made the choice um, to not pour the resources into a building over the summer during the virus time, uh, but to pour it into people. And because you made that choice, God really just like blessed you so big. You had a phone call yesterday that I would love for you to share with the people um, about something incredible that's coming out of all this and how you're moving forward. So just share that with us. I appreciate that. You know, I, I, uh, there's an African proverb that I love, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And at, when we came to Auburn, we didn't want to just go fast. We wanted to go far and we wanted to go deep into the heart of this community and help people. And so through these relationships, you know, we've been doing the different revive cares each week and helping and investing and taking what we would have invested in a building and said, we're going to put this back into the community and invest in them. And we got an opportunity that came across our table where the, the mayor's office reached out to us and said, hey, there's some grant money available. There's some there's some boxed goods that are being um, shipped out. Would, would you kind of manage this project and figure out how to get it done? And there's a lot of moving parts to it. And so I, I just started emailing who are my friends now. And that's the thing. Three years ago, these were been people that didn't know who I was. Three years now, they're friends. They're, they're neighbors. They know when I'm, you know, when I'm sick or when my family's in the hospital, they're friends. And so I emailed them and just said, hey, here's the opportunity on the table. How can we make this work? And so over the last two days, we've been in Zoom meetings with the mayor, with city officials, with the head of major corporations in our region and it's so cool it's getting ready to transpire so next sunday um, we are starting what will be about a three to six month feeding program in our community the we have a, a entire shopping complex there called the outlet collection um and it's a huge huge you know huge space with you know tons of anchor stores like nordstrom's and nike and those kind of things and we are partnering with dave and busters and and the head of dave and busters looked at me and said josh we give you our building you can put uh, some sort of food bank or something in there um, you can have our freezers. You can have our party rooms to organize food. The outlet collection said you can have our parking lots. You can um, set up a drive-through experience. And then we're partnering with another group called Pacific Coast Fruits here in the Northwest. And they got a $24 million grant to supply food. And so we're going to be supplying um, a thousand. We're starting with a thousand meals this weekend. We know it's probably going to be given out extremely fast, but we're just trying to gauge it. But every family will get 85 pounds of food, three different boxes with dairy, with fruits and vegetables, with meat, with cheese. It's enough to feed a family of four for a week. And we're going to be giving out a thousand of these starting next Sunday. And as it grows, just seeing so many people be able to get help and be able to get um, the resources they need with the unemployment, with so many things that have been happening to our families. I know my wife was laid off and we've experienced the pressure of finances, but this is such a resource for people to help them survive, but not to survive. We even talked about on our podcast, Jenny, help them thrive. It is relationship. It is partnering together and it is coming together. I just want to say this to so many churches and leaders and, you know, people of God, 
stop trying to always just be against systems and structure. So many, so many people are so upset with how government has come at them with, with this coronavirus and said, we can't do ministry. We can't do this. I have felt this has been the greatest season for ministry, but it's all on how you look at it. You can look at your mayor and your governor as the enemy, or you can look them at the gatekeeper and a resource for you to access more and more people. And we did that and we're starting to see those doors open. And so I just encourage you today, if you have not reached out to your city officials, if you don't know your city council and your mayor, make it your goal next week to email all of them and set up a meeting and love on them and encourage them because that is where we get to a place that we can really help and influence people. Well, and Josh, the blessing, I want to say this that came to you as well from that is they basically, so you chose not to put money into a building, but to put money to people. Yeah. And now they've given you this Dave and Buster's and given you the parking lot and said, oh yeah, go ahead and have uh drive-in okay. services. For okay. free. You don't have to pay for anything. Have your services and then give people yeah. food to give out. Yeah. So you're able to actually do the, the services anyway. And I love that. Yeah. because God is so faithful in that way for you to say, I'm not even going to worry about that. I'm going to let God worry about that. And yeah. he took care of it for you. Yeah. And if I can add something to that, you know, that scripture, it says the greatest amongst you is the servant of all. Yeah. It gets me so fired up because we, we get into ministry sometimes thinking we're going to serve and we end up having servants. But man, when I hear you, man, you're out serving people. And, you know, my father was a homeless man and it was because of a meal that a man came and gave my father a meal, wow. changed his life. He accepted Jesus. It broke all the curse off our family. Wow. He, it just, I have chills just even speaking about because I know the power of what you're doing. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know, have, do you have any stories of lives that have been changed yes. since you've started this? You know, there, there was, um, there's a young, young man. I call him a young man. He's a little bit older than me, but a young man, he, he came to us and, He's, he's our, our sound and engineer now, but he came to me and he was he was definitely down in life, um, had gone through a divorce, had gone through some uh, some hard seasons in life. And we started just reaching out, loving on him, being with him. And he was an atheist. And I forget him telling me, I just I don't believe in what you believe in. But that's fine. I believe in you. And we'll, we'll go from there. And to see him and his wife get baptized in our church and, and make a commitment for Christ and move forward has been incredible. We've been getting emails and messages from people. There's this there's this one lady. I, I your, your brain starts to cramp with so many you know success stories. But there's this one lady. I'm not going to say her name, but she's a mom of four kids. And she came to us when we were doing a, a Thanksgiving um, food distribution this last year. And this is the success story I like. She was in a rough patch in her life. She needed food. She needed um, somebody to help lift her up and strengthen her and be with her. I remember her coming, us praying. I remember the first thing she said is, I can't believe you guys play like pop music in church in the lobby. Like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, hey, if you like the music, good, you know, good, good for you. But then to get a text from her last week. And she had missed one of our serve opportunities. She said, don't ever let me miss those again. I'm supposed to be giving back. That's, you know, that's what it's all about is to come full circle. Because obviously in life, we don't always want to be the one receiving. We want to be the ones giving. And so when we give to people, they don't know it. But our expectation is we're going to draw them in, funnel them back so that they're giving back to the community as well. Because that's what it's all about. Love it. Well, I think everyone can see why he was our highlight today of the Church of Action. I mean, he's just not doing enough, really. He's <laughs> um, but all that aside, let's talk about the most important thing. What was Ollie's favorite grilled cheese 
And has he tried the Disney grilled cheese we made a few weeks ago? <laughs> he has not done the Disneyland grilled cheese. And I would have to say uh, we did an avocado bacon grilled cheese, and that was definitely huh. his favorite one. Uh, I, I, a small thing when I laugh about this, you, you find you have relationships and stuff when the mayor sends you an email about the food to distribute and she says i'm so sorry though there's no grilled cheese when <laughs> so you know i don't know how this segment uh uh got so popular but it did uh, we have another one that's, that's super popular that our other pastor does called daily pick me up and she was a former barista she, she makes wild coffee but it's a secret guys i want to tell you if you are in any form of ministry or business whatever it may be you don't always promo your product. Do something fun and funny because it's going to get people drawn in. We saw, I just want to give this as just kind of a plug for why we do this. We saw over 150% increase in our Sunday service online watch views after we started doing the funny segments. There's a reason we do it. People think we're just trying to do funny grilled cheese. No, I'm trying to get you to come to church on Sunday. You just don't know it. So be encouraged with that. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining us. We really appreciate your example in the community around us. And I want to say goodbye. Where are you? Bye. Goodbye. I can't see you. There we are. <laughs> and it's funny you brought up laughter because that's exactly how we ended part one of our discussion on godly parenting with guest Sharon Harrison, the importance of laughter in parenting. But we couldn't fit the whole discussion in one show. So here is part two. Hank, I know that you have been uh, intentional in what you've sought out for to teach your children about God. Tell me about that. So for us, um, one of the things that we realize is that, you know, we want our values to be normalized. You know, so for example, I didn't grow up in a church setting that believed in women in ministry. Um, that was part of my growth um, as I went to college and then seminary and going back actually to the Hebrew, right? Going back to Genesis, the creation, when God created men and women, he created them fully equal, looking through the eyes of Jesus and how Jesus treated and interacted with women, um, looking back at the early church history and seeing women who were deacons and pastors and throughout scripture, women who were profit. So one of the things for us is that, you know, we want that to be normal. We want our daughters, whenever they walked into a church, if there's not a woman, you know, like in a leadership position, we want them at the very least to think that's weird, you know? So for us, it's being in a community that celebrates that. Um, for us, it's also, you know, we tell them we love them. We, we tell them that they're special. We tell them that they're children of God, but we also want them to see value um, in every resource that we have. So one mm -hmm. of the intentional things that we do is whatever children's book we use, whatever story we tell, um, even now our VBS that we use at our church, you know, we want it to be multicultural. We want them to be able to see themselves in the faith, right? We want them to be able to, to look at the faith and, and see people who look like them worshiping, you know, and that to be a normalized experience. And I think the last thing too, I would say about intentionality for us is that we know that, you know, whatever values we have, aren't necessarily automatically going to be taken by them. You know, I think most parents know that. But I think what we forget, though, as parents is that we are still who God has chosen to be the first teachers. And even those kids, you know, we mentioned in that Barna survey who rejected the faith, that they grew up in the faith, we still get the first shot. 
You know, so for us, you know, we hold that very, very seriously. We hold that very intentionally. And that is something we pray for. And that is something, again, that we take as our responsibility to show them a faith. And I think right now it's easier because they're six and four, but we're excited to see where that journey takes us 10 years from now. Uh, But just being intentional about who we are and what we believe is the same whether we're at church or we're walking down the street, you know, whether we're talking to our neighbors or talking to someone I've known for 30 years. You know, one of my great joys is when my kids meet people who knew us before they came along and there's still that love and friendship and relationship and there's still that connection to the spiritual things and to, to Jesus Christ himself. So, yeah, that's some of the things that we really work on is how do we be intentional? How do we make it normal? And holding on to that responsibility that we're the first teachers. And yeah, I mean, they're God's children. God loves them more than we can ever love them. And we love them an awful lot. But yeah, we uh, we pray for them. And I think that's the other one, praying with them, but also being intentional to pray for them. Yeah, yeah for me, uh, I make sure when I correct them and they get upset about the correction naturally, I always try and go back and say like you, but I want to know, I want you to know, I still mm-hmm. love you. Like I still, but you, I have to correct your behavior. Like that's my job as daddy. Mm-hmm. I have to do that. Um, so I, I love that you, that you also acknowledge that there's always love there because I think a lot, in a lot of situations, sometimes they, it could be misconstrued as that. And it is never that. Yep. And that's sort of what you were talking about leads me into, uh, you know, praying for them leads me into the next question is, as you get older and you face challenges with your kids, your kids face challenges, um, what, how do you deal with that? And how do you parent through those situations? Uh, I'm going to go to Sharon because she's probably been parenting through a couple of situations in her day. Well, I think at all times you need to have a listening ear. If you know that they're coming to you and they want you to give them some advice, I think you give them some godly advice. If they're just coming to you because they need to talk it out, I think you need to listen to them. And as they get older, you get older, sometimes all it is is make sure you're willing to listen to them. You don't always have to have the answer unless you know it is something that is going to help them. Each child is different. Mm. As they get older, just you have to have from the very beginning of this thing called parenting, you have to use and operate in unconditional love. Mm. And once again, I say we have the Holy Father as an example on what to do. Sometimes you may know know instantly what to do that's those are the times you need to yourself get down on your knees and ask god what would be the best way for me to help in this situation that's excellent yes thank you jesus for that we need to get down sometimes and go how do i do this hi everyone all right um so jenny i want to know i want to know about the stories here what what stood out in your your parenting experience with your mom Oh my goodness, my mom, I could share a lot of stories, but you know, I mean, so many good stories. My mother is an incredible mother. Um, She will go out of her way for her kids for anything. I mean, she is just that kind of a mom, Um, but a fun story. Just, I don't know why this one sits with me Uh, of all. I'm sure there's so many stories I could share, but this, this crazy one sits with me. She used to tell us when we uh, were becoming teenage girls, my sister Jody and I. Now girls, 
I know that you're becoming teenagers and you're going to be tempted to smoke because that was, you know, the thing back then. You're going to be tempted to smoke. You're going to want to smoke. And so if you're tempted to smoke, I just I. I would just like to ask that you come and smoke with me. We'll, not that my mom smoked. I should probably say this better, but she, she didn't smoke. She just said, we'll just go down to the drugstore or the store. We'll buy a pack of cigarettes and we will smoke together. <laughs> That's just a craziest story. But I get it now as a mom. I, I As a mom, I don't want my kids to go off with their friends and do that. Uh, you know, they, she was like, let me, if you want to have that experience, let me let me put it in a safe zone. Let me put it in a zone. Like I recognize, recognizing the kids are going to, you know, want to do things. She just wanted to kind of protect us. Now, we never did it. I could not even fathom smoking a cigarette with my mother. Um, but it was just funny that she would even say it. It still makes me laugh. Uh, but, you know, that example of my mother going above and beyond, let me just tell you, when I was on tour um, with my first uh, Broadway tour, my husband and I met doing Broadway shows. I lived in New York and did all that kind of fun stuff for a season. And I was touring with a show called Big and I think we were in Kansas City, I'm pretty sure, somewhere like that. And she lived in Tulsa. It was somewhere that was about a five-hour drive. She drove all the way there to come see the show, of course. She even drove to see Brian, my husband, when we were engaged, to like five hours to go see him. She drove all the way there, saw the show, and said, girls, why don't you come back home? You know, little did I know at the time, I was living a little bit rogue at the time, you know, pushing some boundaries. And I now I get it. Now, she wanted her baby girl home for the night. But I also know there's something about being home in mama's house and just that love to kind of reset. And I want to leave you with this last thing. I love what my mother said in a program I did with her a couple weeks ago. She said, mother is not a noun, it's a verb. Hank, any challenges that you've faced? Yeah, I mean, one of the ones for me personally was um, I was raised by women. Um, so that's always been a blessing. So when I had daughters, I was like, oh, this is easy. I was raised by strong women, I'm good but I know nothing about raising daughters. You know, I've never been a daughter, you know? So I think that was just an inherent challenge, but um, my wife, uh, her father has three daughters, you know? And I think even that was a little bit of intentionality mm. from God. One of the things that really struck me was, um, so in theology, you have this thing called substitutionary atonement and people land on different places, but basically it's like, how is it that one person, one sacrifice is good for all of us, right? Like there's billions of people who are Christians, billions who have been until Jesus come back, billions who will be. How does one sacrifice do that? Um, and I think I always just accepted it because I'm like, hey, man, Jesus died. That's good enough for me. I'm good. I don't really want to look too much deeper into it. Um, but when I met Shell's parents, you know, one of the things I learned was simply this, you know, because of her, like I was okay. You know, mm -hmm. like it wasn't like you have to win us over. It was just like, oh, yeah, she says you're good. You're good to me. And I have two daughters. You know, they're young. They're six and four. I pray I'm mature and a strong enough Christian that if they bring a boy home, you know, I can say the same thing, right? You know, because of my love for my daughter, my trust in the person she is, the trust in the faith she has in God and, and the woman that she's grown up to me. If she thinks, you know, like you should meet us, like this is because of her, you know, you're okay. And, and in a weird way, it reminded me of like what Jesus did for us and God, right? Um, because of Jesus, we're okay before the father. So yeah, so that's one of the things that, you know, I had to just really grow into. And the second one, I would say there's a quick book. Um, it's, it's a book called by Michael Gurian. It's called The Wonder of Girls. I actually had to read it in seminary. And the reason I like this book was 
he really breaks down age by age, you know, what young women go through and just at different stages in life, you know, what's happening and kind of like, just neurologically, but then also practically. So now it's not necessarily easy reading. I kind of wish he had a Cliff Notes version where he said, hey, at age two to three, this is what's happening. So this is what it'll look like. Good luck, right? Um, so it's a lot of heavy reading get through it. But what I think what I appreciated about that book was he was unabashedly saying, you know, as a father, you know, you're not just an example, but like, you need to love your daughter. You know, you need to love her unconditionally. You need to love her and let her see how she is to be loved, you know? And that was um, eye-opening in this simple way because at the time I was reading it in seminary, you know, I had a friend who had been struggling and part of, you know, talking with her, we realized that, you know, she said something that like she never remembered her parent ever saying, I love you, you know? And that, so that, that stuck with me for years now because I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they might not believe it, but they will hear it every day. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care if we're fighting. I don't care if, like, they're just like, ah, get away from me, you know, but they will hear it every day. Like, there's going to be no, we're never going to have to wonder if dad and mom loves us, right? Like, we're going to hear it every day. So that's been a, a practical thing I've even taken on to is knowing that, and, and he has a book called The Wonder of Boys, which does the same thing, right? Knowing that your kids are going to go through stages, knowing that neurologically there's a lot going on. Um, but then also knowing that your presence and your intentionality and your consistency is going to be a gift to them. And one of the ways you can gift them is to not just say, oh, we love you like unconditionally, but to show it. And I appreciate the story Jenny shared about, you know, her mom um, supporting her and, and traveling because that's how my wife's parents were. Like, I mean, they're dairy farmers. They wake up at three in the morning and three in the afternoon to, to go milk and they never miss the game. You know, whereas in my high school, because um, I was my, my father was killed in the Civil War in Liberia, raised in a single parent house and, you know, working. So my parent didn't necessarily get to go to my games. Right. It's just not something that happened. I think my mom might have went to one event in high school and I played lots of sports, you know, just because of work stuff. So when I heard that they did that, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. You know, um, and that's something that we, we we're going to try to do as well. So, yes, yeah, so I think the the practical ministry of presence is sometimes what we forget as parents, you know, like presence is a great gift. I'm writing down the wonder of girls as we speak, since I have three of them and the practical ministry of presence, Hank, I feel like that should be on like a billboard or something. Uh, but I want to keep talking about presence now and the presence parents can have when your child is growing older and maybe going through wilderness periods of their lives. How do you navigate that as a parent? Uh, Sharon, what do you think? Um, I think you recognize, first of all, that there will be some wilderness seasons of your life, uh, in their life, and you can share with them uh, in your own past. You can share with them from stories in the Bible. You can share other true stories that you have heard about or uh, read about and assure them that this is just a season. That's why it's so important to start early to assuring them in whatever it may be that uh, of God's faithfulness in their life. Because it tends to be when they get in those teen years, I, I think I mentioned the other day that, that when <clears throat> I read that when a child is eight is when they show more tantrums than others. And then when they get into their teen years, then 
they too are trying to find out now who are they uh, in relationships with uh, the other kids around them, what their future is going to hold, and also what's the relationship with their parents? What's the relationship with their grandparents? You, you know, you just, you, you go back to when you were being raised, when you were that age, what was it that meant so much to you? And as a parent, one of the best things to make sure is that you take time. Don't, don't be, I, I know that there are parents that both parents have to work. And that's a difficult situation. But still, at some point or another, if you just let them know, I have time for you and I want to hear your heart and I want to help you through this. And then as they say that to you, say, oh, yeah, I remember when I was uh, 14 and I was struggling. I was dating John Smith and uh, he wanted to be serious and I didn't want to be serious. So this is what I did. You know, just give them examples of what was going on in your own own life. And I think that they'll see the genuine um, um, convictions in your heart. And it's never, never inappropriate to pray together, no matter what age they are. Very important. Jenny, what have you experienced as your boys have hit in teenage years? Well, I have great kids. I really genuinely do. But I mean, there have been some saucy times. There have been some lipping off times. And I, I think I've definitely experienced a little bit of retribution. And, you know, and I recognize that a wilderness time very well may be possible. Now, I know there are people that will say, oh, you know, bad confession. Don't say that. I think it's just reality. Um, you know, and I, I think it's wise to go into things with your wise, with your eyes wide open as a parent, because some kids need that time in the wilderness to figure themselves out. Sometimes we need to go to the wilderness to figure out, do I believe what I believe because I believe it? Or do I believe what I believe because my pastor or my priest or my parent or, you know, my sibling or whatever told me to believe it? And I think that's what a lot of kids go through. And, and I think it's healthy. If you look at the Bible, the Bible is full of examples where God, you know, entertained questions. I mean, Job asked God questions. Abraham asked God questions. You know, uh, God says, as far as, you know, tithing, you know, try me, test me in this. I think it's okay for us to have those questions because when we ask questions, we get answers. And so we shouldn't be necessarily as parents afraid of the wilderness experience. The wilderness can be a true time of transformation. I actually was just teaching um, my, my church, my, my service I taught on was on uh, Israel and the wilderness experience and how we shouldn't always be afraid of it. In the wilderness, this was the place where God told them to rest and to have Sabbath. But it was also a time where God tested them. And through that testing, he strengthened them and 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 taught them, you know, certain lessons that kind of went with them. So the kids are kind of learning something in that season, in that period and in that time. And so to be afraid of it, you know, I, I think be there for your kids, walk, you know, through things with them, you know, but recognize it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I, I said this quote when I was teaching that the wilderness is not something that we should, you know, uh, it, we should be fearful about, but we should be fruitful in the wilderness. And honestly, if you're a praying mom and dad and your kid's going through a wilderness, it can be a fruitful time. Like I said, it can be a time of transformation. It can be a time where, you know, maybe they're in a bad situation, but because of what happens in the wilderness, they can come out better. It can transform to where somebody, a young person 
really looks at God, not as just someone you got to serve. I got to go to church. I got to do this. But there can be that love relationship that happens because of the wilderness, because of those hard times, because of sometimes hitting rock bottom. So, of course, as parents, you don't want to see your kids go through that. But if we recognize that it can actually be a healthy place if the Holy Spirit walks through it with them. And that's what we have to be praying for. Lastly today, uh, Sharon, uh, I wanted to, to ask you about parenting and counseling in a blended family. Hmm. It's a learning process. <laughs> Definitely a learning process. And I would suggest to anybody that may be walking into that is that you don't have all the answers for it uh, and, and you have to give them time. Uh, I think my side of the family was more willing to allow this blendedness to happen before Bob's side was. But I had to also recognize they had lost you know, their mom and Cindy had been a friend of mine also. So you know, I just took it differently uh, with each one of them personalities are different. Um, this past Mother's Day, Sandra, the oldest, oldest um, daughter, sent me a card that says to, to my mom. And um, then, you know, she went on and wrote in, inside. And uh, that, that's, that's a real breakthrough, but it took a little time to, to get there. But you don't rush in. You kind of like just gently step in sometimes maybe just on your tiptoes. And just because you're somebody's wife does not make it the perfect situation for those, for those children. And it, I never doubted that they did love me. I, I always had a sense that there was love there. But here again, I, I knew them even early on before their mother had, had passed away. And, um, um, Leave the door open for communication. Mm. Let it open so that they can, you know, come to you. You don't necessarily need to go to them. There are times that I will encourage Bob to do something with his kids, and I sit back because I think it's easier easier received that that way. And um, I, the only thing I have to prove is that I have the love of God in my heart and unconditional love for each and every one of them and their children, plain and simple. And it may take some of them longer than it takes others, but I really feel blessed that the family, the blended family has, has had the blessing of God upon it. And part of that is what we talked about when we first started, that the, the heritage that God has allowed us to come from because with Jenny and myself, my parents, my parents' parents, it goes way back. And it's the same thing with Bob's parents and Bob's mother and I were very good friends. Uh, she lived till she was 90 and um, uh, we had, we had a very good relationship, but it had nothing to do with any romantic feeling with, with Bob, but it was already being set up. Ah. So as, as God knew these kind of things. He knew the plans right. for me, and they were plans for good, not for harm. So it, it takes people uh, a different amount of time. And I just say, don't rush into anything. 
just just make sure that your heart is open and that they know that you will have unconditional love for them too. It's beautiful. What I love about everyone sharing today is that we kind of came from different stages of heritage. You know, Sharon's talked about many generations of Christian heritage in her family, but Hank didn't necessarily have that same heritage, but he has started it in his family now, so anyone can. The Lord will bless me. He will increase me more and more, me and my children. That's right. Children's children, <laughs> and it's it's definitely being proven, and I love it. Well, thank you so much to all of you for your wisdom and experience. And, you know the very the various different experiences on this panel, which is why this show is formatted the way it is. Because no matter how you come to God, no matter how you come to parenting, no matter how you become a parent through birth or adoption or any other circumstance. God chose you to be those parents. And yes, it comes with responsibility, as we've said, but it should give you peace because God doesn't give you what you can't handle. So right. he has chosen you to become those parents for a reason. And we hope that this show has helped you become more empowered in raising those children and that please keep journeying with us at this show, but also keep journeying with your small faith communities just like this show, because there are people that have gone through your experiences before. Get into your churches, get into your communities, because we all want to surround you and help you through those experiences, just like you're doing for your kids. And lastly, here's my new sign off, guys. We're going to do it. There's God only gives us one life and he wants you to live it to the fullest. We'll see you next time on The Full Life. Thank you so much for joining us today.